Hi, I'm Mad Kate, and you're listening to Sweat, Sexuality, Work, Extraction, Art, Theatrics. Sweat is a series of conversations about performance and performativity of the sexual and sexualized body at work, where work is broadly defined as the labor of survival, the labor of care, creativity, and art. How exactly do we define our work, and how does that work entangle and circumscribe our sexual identities, our creative lives, and the ways in which we provide care? How do we perform tasks, acts of care, and identities? Anchored in our always already racialized and sexualized bodies, our complex intersectionalities, these conversations are a means of relating through work to each other. I hope they contribute to dialogues which normalize sex work as work and all work as deserving of respect, healthy conditions, and a living wage. Uh, some people feel uh, very aroused and uh, <laughs> happy and they enjoy it. And some people also don't feel nervous because they, they're shy, you know, they're embarrassed. But that, that is the point that I want to question the audience. Why you feel, you know, some feel it's too much for them. <laughs> but why you feel too much, right? Is it like your, your background or your personality or your culture, you know? This is my question to, to ask them. Today's conversation is with Chang Gao, a visual artist and sculptor who recently finished her PhD at Royal College of Art London and is now based in Berlin. She teaches as a lecturer at the University of Art London and has worked as a public art researcher at the Central Academy of Fine Arts in Beijing, China, where she is also the founder of the Social Innovation Research Lab. She recently presented her final degree show, Intimate Fantasy, where her robotics, speaking for the speechless, invite the audience, especially those who come from politically repressed communities, to type down intimate thoughts and feelings via the keyboard, while a robotic mouth mimics the movement of a mouth speaking out the silenced thoughts. Sometimes I just, I forgot who I am, and I just go to my living room and I see my sculptures, oh God, <laughs> that is a really sexually charged shape. I even don't know, you don't need to define what are they, but I enjoy seeing them. We spoke about Chang's search for true relaxation away from any form of censorship and the way she confronts her audiences with her own sometimes uncomfortable, horny emotions. And we struggled together about how to define the erotic. Being a parent, I kind of always look at a gendered body, actually. It's always about how women has been discriminated in, in, in the context of Chinese culture. I was shocked by one report in 2009. It was an international human report that there were around 10 billion women were despaired because of the idea of girls are inferior than boys. Like, women are aborting the babies because of the gender kind of in, in inequality is internationally, but is mainly most, most severe uh, happening in Asia, specifically in China and uh, India. So it was not too long ago, you know, like uh, 10 years or 15 years ago, then it is a big shock for me. Then I made a, a kind of a graduation work about this gender inequality situation, about I make sculpture like fetus in different status of development. Oh. So like one one month, two months, three months, until eight months and ten months, like a, you know, like this kind of different stages. 
and put them into a white uh, red cube with kind of uh, like a blood cell, a blood, blood kind of a thread inside this, that red cube. So that work has been, yeah, quite a important piece for me. And also, at the same time, I couldn't exhibit anywhere in China because of, you know, I'm... I'm talking about something that is critical about China because there was still one-child policy. Mm. And the concept that women are being regarded as inferior than men, and such concept has been become a box, like an invisible hand that the society believes in. And you can see the things happening inside, but couldn't change the rule of the society. So that's my beginning start of talking about this kind of a gendered body from a female and also Chinese background. So that's, at the same time, yeah, that is the reason that I actually I get an offer from Royal College of Art in London. Because it's quite a confrontational piece of work as a female artist based in China. Couldn't show there anywhere. What do you think are the conditions that sort of allowed you to decide to create that kind of work, given the pushback that you might receive or given the fact that you wouldn't be able to present that? What allowed you to even have the the capacity, yeah, the bravery? Yeah, yeah, I understand, yeah. It's actually, I think it's, it's really more like a personal choice. I mean, it's, According to my experience, like coming, went to London for a PhD, you know, I have a lot of friends from Chinese background. And when they talk about politics or, you know, Chinese, you know, censorship, they prefer to walk away and don't talk about it and feel uncomfortable with such kind of sensitive topic. I, I was also did a... How to say, give, give a salon in London, and most of people prefer not to talk about it. Even they're based in London, you know, they, they, are, they have the freedom to talk about it, but they come from that regime and they don't feel the freedom to express. So when I was grew up from China, and it was the best university in China, which I worked so hard to, to get enrolled, and I mean, I come from a, a very common family, like both parents are, my mom is a accountant and my father is a working in factory. So, you know, it's like lower class, not a rich family. So the only way that I can, I can go through this kind of barriers or the choice I can make is through education. So in a way, I work so hard to get this college, but in, at the same time, I've always been repressed or constrained because of the gender kind of issue that I'm bothered so much. When I made this series of uh, uh, gender not defined, kind of the fetus series, then the dean is a man in my sculpture department, which is, you know, 14 professor, which is male, only one, one female. So this kind of, you know, very huge patriarchal-influenced department. And he just say, oh, this work is obviously a girl's work. You know, what do you mean by a girl's work, right? Like, is that insignificant, not important? It doesn't account as, you know, serious discussion discursively, right? And first of all, I, I was also being challenged. I said, if you c continue to do such work, which is problematic in China, 
And also warned by American kind of uh, artists saying, you know, if you keep doing this, this is quite make you into trouble. And you were warned by American artists. Yeah, I said I met in Korea. I said he was in prison because of he was critical about, you know, Chinese government. He he is an American artist, mm-hmm. but invited by a Chinese government. Mm. And then he made a commission of work which is critical about the Chinese government. Then become problematic for him to you know stay in China and also detained by Chinese government. So he, I we met in in Korea, and he knows my work is really critical about censorship. So he was kind of kindly uh, suggest me, you know, if you really want to do such work, you need to be prepared for not getting yourself into trouble or kind of arrested. So, yeah, I mean, my work after that fetus gender now defined, my work cannot be shown anywhere. And uh, being warned, I said, if you continue doing this work, you cannot receive your bachelor degree, you know? What I was like, oh, wow. So, yeah, and then I change a bit. Without being too confrontational, I, I move a bit softer, become like a... Com- com- uh, consumerist kind of society that can kind of reflection rather than doing too confrontational for my master degree work. But after I finish those degree, I'm just you know I'm done with your guys, and I just just do more daring work. I'm questioning his definition of girls work. Like I invited a, a woman who is also a dancer and start to dance very provocatively in the public space, in a pub, actually an outdoor pub. And all the men are feeling very uncomfortable confronting her because she behaved very, you know, sexually and also felt embarrassed. To, to encounter that. So I use that as my title, This Is Not My Name, Yeah, to kind of uh, further confront him. What is your definition of ghost work? Yeah. So instead of letting him shut you down, you actually came back twice. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> With twice as much power. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, when did you first feel like you were an artist body, an artist body? I mean, I start to to paint very early, like my daughter's age, like five-year-old or something. And then it's been such a long journey and just for expressing myself, I guess. But it's always been, you know, everywhere. And I just felt more relaxed for being an artist. Because before painting, then I was also doing cello. Then I felt very nervous. That kind of nervous for stage fright, I was like completely soak my cello board into sweat. That was really just like traumatizing <laughs> as a teenage child, you know. <laughs> then I just felt, oh, come on, I can't do that anymore, you know. Because being art artist, you can just relax and, you know, it's good for a mental and physical body. You can sculpt or you can correct at any moment and even after finish it. So that just make me yeah, enjoy the process of, of being artist and making work, being yeah, being making sculpture. And I think being being a sculptor is also quite quite a good shift for me because from painting is always kind of 
two-dimensional. Uh, being sculptor, you always think about the other side, what is going on, and think about especially how does it works. Even you look at the front, you have to think about the other side of the the work, and how does that really stand on the board without falling off. Yeah, it's just more kind of things to consider. And after that, then I come to London, then just brought my kind of media for making film and also hologram installation. Then COVID hit, so I started making more digitally kind of augmented and also kind of uh, robotics stuff, ECG heart rate monitor, this kind of things just showing up, just testing things around. Because I went to London, I just felt theoretically very enriched because of, you know, this is completely different social political background. And I felt, oh, I can just be so free talking about things and I don't need to be scared of being arrested and being deprived from my degree or something like threatened. It seems like you wanted to find a place where your body could be more relaxed. Yeah. And do you feel that in your body? Do you feel more relaxed here, practicing your work? I think so, yeah. Because, you know, when I first arrived in London, I was, like, shocked culturally because there are so many confrontational kind of slogans, demonstration, which I had never experienced in China. Yeah, I said, oh, my God, can I really do work like this? Wow, politically, I was completely shocked because I, I can never do that as a person, as an individual, as a citizenship, you know, I cannot never confront the public space like that. Yeah, then I just start to reflect what can work I can do as an artist. Because I'm, I'm, I'm trained as a sculptor, it's a very kind of uh, visual kind of uh, art making. And that kind of linguistic confrontation of the logo or uh, demonstration just felt uncomfortable for me. So I felt more relaxed when I do do film editing or sculpture or printmaking. I feel like that is kind of a more bodily effect that I'm trying to induce from the audience. And that is the part that become my central kind of logic for my whole project, which is a organism-world relationship, which is, you know, induce people's bodily effect. I'm trying to build a connection with the audience and from the the visual and the bodily, that is the thing that I'm feeling relaxed to do because I wouldn't have been directly picked up because you are against Chinese censorship. I mean, my work create encounter or kind of a opportunity for the audience to meditate, to enjoy. But I, uh, after that, they also kind of think about, uh, how to say, the meaning behind my film. And some people feel, you know, when you feel relaxed, you are more easy to be aroused. <laughs> and that is my how my erotic work kind of uh, hitting. And how that is sexual kind of sexuality kind of kicking. And some people feel oh, very you know, aroused and uh, <laughs> happy and enjoy it. And some people also don't feel nervous because they, they're shy, you know, they're embarrassed. But that, that is the point that I want to question the audience. Why you feel, you know, some some very young Chinese uh, boy feel, uh, <laughs> you know, this is too much for them. <laughs> but why you feel too much, right? It's like your your background or your personality or your culture, you know? This is my 
question to to ask them. I mean, to be honest, like uh, you know, censorship in China is not only about politically; it's also just sexually. As a, as a culturally kind of a tabooed image, I always felt difficult to to expose my entire body in the public space. I always kind of artistically transform my image, a passion fruit, uh, uh, to symbolize like a breast, but it's always distorted and um, deformed the shape of of a sculpture or even films. So yeah, that is what I think artists can do. Artists is to be able to transform your feelings and or your affect, your intimacy, your you know your fantasy, your imagination. Tenderness all embedded into your work, and that is where I felt feeling safe and to make people feeling relaxed. And at the same time, that sexual arousal is very important because the pleasure that the audience felt from from your work become I don't know. I feel is the, the sex is political. You can actually brought more things by your sexual arousal in, in that process of encounter. I mean, some people might feel, you know, as I said before, you might, by the end of the day, you know, if after your work, you, 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 they, they might still can continue with their, their life, like picking up a child and go to work and, you know, it's a lot of things. But after that, you know, you think about that work. Why, why, how do I deal with that stimulation? Some people might, 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 you know, go for masturbation or whatever the way to release it. But that encounter create attraction between the art and the viewer and the bodily effect. Another way to embed their bodily experience into their organ. And in a way, they transform those experiences towards the world and towards the society. I have a sculpture made by uh, by the movement of the heartbeat of the audience. So when they see my work, the heartbeat changes according to yeah, the, 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 the film. Then the movement of the sculpture kind of detect by the change of their, their heartbeat. So I just want to explicitly emphasize the bodily change of the audience when you see aroused, you know, very exotic kind of <laughs> sexual charged image. And some people just refuse to, to admit it. You know, a lot of art, especially German white males, sometimes when they encountered the Christopher kind of artwork in public space, they were really angrily, this is not art. I was so angry. And the tearing down said, this is not art. But what is art? Why you are so provoked, you know? Because they deny it? Because of all this kind of background of being, being, you know, patriarchal system. And they, they deny it. And I just want to show you guys, you see, your heartbeat is changed. And that penis sculpture is raising up and coming down and shakes. And <laughs> so my advocation, like you actually change because of this. But how you're going to deal with that, that is your choice. Wow, that's really, hearing you put it that way, it's really moving, actually. It gives me kind of chills. These are very hard things to get at, articulate, 
I have a broad definition of political, so I think that yes, like absolutely, it's political. But I'm I'm curious how you feel of this act of moving an audience, whether it's arousal or anger or or something. Why is that political? Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to to define, right? Like as artists, let my work because I use you know first as a film and also heart rate detector, then I lead them towards um AR kind of. Uh, Experience they they interact with the public space, with my kind of erotic kind of film. Then I lead them towards the there was a robot called a Speaking for the Speechless. It's a mouse shape, but with nine motors inside the robot. Then they connect it to a computer, which is invite the audience to type their repressed opinion, to to say anything they would like to say, whatever you know. Like so, that is the point. Where I want to trigger their bodily reactivity towards their mental mind, and because that AR work is also questioning the audience in public space, you know, public space is always quite confined, and you are difficult to behave yourself, and the sensuousness is always being taken out. You need to follow the social rules and. Don't be exposed about your personal personal privacies. So I put that erotic film, like AR augmented reality, project onto that, and and bring the sensuousness back, and also questions the audience: Why the public space has become this? Who makes the decision? You know, just gradually from bodily towards mentally, and to encourage them to speak up. Whatever they come up, some people can say, you know, sexually. Somebody don't don't have to be. I mean, specifically political, but I guess I'm trying to induce opportunity or kind of encounter for 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 the audience to 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 articulate. Especially, I come from you know a lower class family and. Especially China, Chinese people are, are silenced and muted from speaking a lot of things. So I'm just creating a opportunity, I guess. What do they come out of it? Does it depend on themselves? They, their background, you know. They, some people come from China, and some people from the West, from London, from Germany. They all have different、uh, outcome. That is because of their social political kind of、uh, environment. Because in, in in public space or in a social encounter, we don't have such opportunity to to being relaxed. You know, in in, in Chinese public space, is always high road, and I just feel,、oh、God, it's just exhausted. And also in yeah, in London, it's also super fast. And in this process, I just want to create a, a moment for people to relax and think about, you know. Why the day has been so bloody stressful, and what are we running for? And in this moment of meditation or you know relaxation, can we be a moment of escape? You know, of of escaping this kind of anxiety, and you are given a freedom to speak whatever you want to say, and that is my. I guess my empowering moment for, for the audience to speak up, from no matter which class they come from, and especially for the people who cannot speak. When we speak about relaxation, especially the way you're defining it here, it 
makes me think about a state where we're not performing or trying to be something that we are so-called not, which I think is an interesting idea at all. Like, are we ever at a purely us state? Yeah, I mean, is this a state of non-performance? Or how would you relate this state to the idea of performing or performance, the performance of the body? A person being in the world performing their body. I mean, as you asked before, like how how I felt when I was making it. I mean, sometimes you know, at the end of my PhD, I was so stressed. Like when I do my work, I feel so relaxed and also so aroused that I cannot <laughs> continue the editing. Sometimes I was seeing the image, and <laughs> but at the same time, my friends and all, all the viewers come to the work. I also felt, oh God, it's so relaxed, and it also depends on the setting of the of the exhibition. You know, there was a I think a five or six time like so far this film has been exhibited. The first time was like uh, in a chair, which is you know audience are invited to sit down, and in a dark room, so people can feel safe and they connect, connect the heart rate kind of uh, ECG electronic pads. So like kind of interactive, and some there was a another time was in a kind of bright and also very exposed public space. So people just put on the headphone and listen to it, but they still feel quite uh, you know not not comfortable being observed by other people's kind of uh, gazing. So yeah, it depends on the situation of the exhibition, I guess. But I, I I enjoy both way, both making and how people like people really just stand there. My film is pretty long, like fifteen minutes, and people have to stand for a while, and they really watch it through. <laughs> and, like, and some people comment saying, um, "I'm pretty relaxed and also a very naughty <laughs> film." And also, there was a woman after the salon I showcased towards the Chinese audience based in London. She said she felt a lock has been tickled. You know, so a lock has been tickled. Now, what does a lock symbolize? Is there whole social political kind of, you know, restraint? But being tickled. It's like kind of you feel something, but you, you can't articulate it and you can't kind of... Uh, just unlock it, that, 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 that moment of tension and build it up. <laughs> yeah, she felt uncomfortable. I said, that's good. Yeah, you keep that <laughs> for a minute longer. And you think about it where, where there is a lock, right? Why you felt being locked, yeah, being tickled. Yeah. That's beautiful. And it's lovely to, to be able to impact people in that way. I yeah, think. I guess. Yeah, I'm a bit curious about as a body red female or as a body red Asian or as Chinese, how this impacts how people also effective, effectively understand you and your work, what and how that impacts you, yeah. if you have thoughts on that. I think my work doesn't necessarily have to know who, who I am. So the sensuousness is exists not only female or Asian or you know specifically to gender defined. It exists for whoever they come from or what gender they, 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 they feel comfortable with. But the, just the, the political kind of 
a patriarchal system that or capitalist this kind of closed system that we live in that restrained ourselves so uh repress repressively and that's why I'm trying to provoke that essential sensuality and essentialness out of this restrained regime I mean I mean personally I I found it difficult you know as as Asian especially in Germany I personally experienced a lot of staring and uh, you know like racist experience which I feel uncomfortable with sometimes but I think my film just just invite the people whoever they come from and no matter where where what their their gender identified with but to release and also give them a, a opportunity to 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 release that repressed sensuality out of their their body by watching a a beautiful kind of um grapefruit and uh, hold by my hand and dripping by the honey uh and i rubbing upon it by my very low frequent and a calm sound uh, a voice to to speak about my my ideas and also my political stand just give them a moment of enjoy themselves so i guess no matter they are they are white or 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 male they can both connect to it because i i regarded eroticism is connects people regardless of differences you know this is was the andre lord position is is there are a difference between the two but i'm um, the eroticism is not to eradicating about the differences but re- with recognizing them but bridge the difference and give connections between the differences i am a asian female artist which is under a lot of discrimination systematic kind of unfairness towards job marketing everything i'm 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 situating but my art is inviting people from any background to 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 feel you know we are connected and don't make judgment just because of the color of skin or or the gender that we are we are yeah inhabiting so i mean for me is i'm i'm extracting my my personal experience you know there there are certain barriers for for me to uh, overcome that to induce towards a broader sense of bodies then i i come across this evolutionary psychology theory called a supernormal stimuli which is a phenomenon that is uh, extracted from animals uh, a biologist called Deirdre Barrett she's a evolutionary psychology from Harvard and she derived the idea like a male bee laying on a brown bubbled kind of a glass bottle yeah, for days and months because they regard those as the most attractive female bees because of the shape because of the texture then that becomes yeah like a artificially exaggerated stimulation attracts much more attention than the natural ones 
then that phenomenon has been applied towards a, a broader sense of our modern society, which is, you know, like video game playing, like uh, plastic surgeries, so all the pl- uh, artificially exaggerated stimulation, like in terms of sexuality is pornography, like cuteness, and also, you know, killing, and also, yeah, there are six types of, and also intellectual pursuit. So there are t- six types of stimulation, which is artificially kind of exist, but always hijacking people's kind of a choice making. So that kind of theory just breached my understanding towards human desire from my personal kind of a background towards a broader sense of audience and also uh, human bodies. Then in that context, I just want to bridge my personal desire towards a broader I mean, it is a theory that is cross-culture, cross-gender, cross-social-political kind of uh, differences and even neurological backgrounds. But when it applies to art, it is also has, you know, difference. Because my personal <laughs> kind of uh, transformation of that uh, supernova stimuli also varies because this is my way of doing it. But that is my attempt how this actually work and how that can prevailingly provoke people's desire regardless of their background. When you refer to hijacking, so pornography kind of being a sort of colonial force that is hijacking something that's more essential. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm very intimately involved in in the world of porn. And not all of it is good. <laughs> not everybody's experience is it isn't good by any means. Yeah. But also there is a lot of good experiences there. Yeah. And I'm uh, people enjoy making it. Yeah. People enjoy being in it. Yeah. People enjoy watching it. Um, you see things there that are that that are taboo. Yeah. That you can't talk about. You can watch something where you can express your inner fantasy, yeah. and. It can be empowering to see it portrayed. Yeah. So I guess I have some kind of resistance to the idea that this is also somehow a colonialist force upon an internal eroticism. But I'm not close to it. And I want to understand more about this idea, if maybe yeah. you have some thoughts about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you are, you are a very, you know, acknowledged like artist doing such Work which I really love to see them in, in, in the show, and I mean at the same time this is a, a porn industry is like is so so dominant in terms of not only you know personal sexuality is income to towards the fantasy and the fantasy and imagination this is a key aspect of eroticism which is connect to person to person. It's like a one-to-one experience. But it is hijacking our own personal memory even, how sexuality actually works and how how your, you know, your desire can be tr- evoked in the process of, of fantasy. And also, so that is a both feeding back between each other. At the same time, I felt... Is there is an overlapping aspect between pornography and erotism, which is sensuousness. And that is the part which share between the two. But there are also the differences, of course. I don't know whether your work like encounters any kind of, you know, fragility or kind of tenderness, like a caring in that 
in any kind of sense. But when you define pornography, in most academic kind of um, description, is is more about the saturation of the color and the camera, how this so the action, uh, the sound has been amplified by a specific cinematic language, rather than interpersonal action between the cinematic language and personal interaction. So, yeah, how, how do you define the two? Yeah, I think this is actually a direction that a lot of um, queer porn or the porn that I'm seeing more of made in my surroundings, like in my community, yeah. where there's a lot of emphasis in exactly that, like portraying care yeah. and sensuousness and, yeah. for lack of a better word, the real the real person. Uh-huh. There's a lot of emphasis in this. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it includes doing interviews beforehand okay. where you kind of get to know the persons that uh-huh. you're about to watch. Okay. And after interviews, yeah. talking about the experience uh-huh. so that you understand that there's been consent. Yeah. Um, and I think this is all, you know, at an effort to get at the fact that there is a connect between, yes, this Person. kind of highly charged, edited, what could be kind of hard sex, not always, but like like a vulva taking... Uh, one cock and another cock in the ass and, you know, just yeah. taking a lot, yeah. kind of physically taking a lot. Yeah. Uh, so going from that to actually seeing how the body gets to that point to be able to to receive that in a consensual way. Yeah. And I think there's a, a lot more work being done to 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 show this, to portray yeah. this. Yeah. So I do find it hard to define the difference, actually, between yeah. porn and, yeah, eroticism or an erotic art piece. But I guess, for, for, for my understanding, I don't know if it, you, you, can de- you can decide or not. Uh, Andrew Lord also kind of emphasized, it's like the feelings are essential. That is also my position. You can say that, of course, this is p- pornography. There is also, you know, like connections they feels. There's a lot of very good points that I, I, I enjoyed watching it. You know, it's not it's an art piece. It's not only about sensations. It's, it's, you feel the feelings between the people, between the performers. That is the beautiful part that I feel is more moving and more even aroused. And it, it, it actually doesn't have to make a clear distinction, I guess. But the feelings are the most eccentric kind of part for eroticism, which I I totally agree with. It's hard to say, like being a parent sometimes I like I, I felt my, my daughter when I, when she was really a baby, like when I was breastfeeding, I was feeling erotic. You know, I felt like so moving, caring and that kind of experience is it's beyond always have to be you know, I mean, this sounds like a taboo topic, but it is. It can be so transspecies and even breastfeeding so aroused, and that is a create attraction and also create a a moment of, of feelings that that is. I don't know. It's like bodily embedded experience or memory that is is provoked. 
And that is deeper in, inside ourselves, being who we are, how we feel pleasure, and how, where that part is being triggered and deeper inside than the pure sensation of intercourse between genitals. Some people also arouse, but that, that is no problem. But at the same time, there is also personal part. You know, it's like your your mom's cook, like when you were a child, and it's just like, oh, that smell, just like, oh, so intense. That is only specific to you. That nobody else can, can interpret, but that feeling is so strong. That, that sensation cannot, you know, even compare. So that's the... Uh, difference i guess mm. from from that's really interesting i mean i'm I, i love opening up this topic because i think it's so complicated it's so hard to get it um I, it makes me wonder though about how any of this is transformed to film really we just have to do more like like such right like emphasize more on <laughs> things i agree i think you know one yeah. one thing i think we need more of is um the way in which to consume this. Yeah. Because when, you know, one thing I think porn does is it's so accessible yeah. if you pay for it. Yeah. Pay for your porn. <laughs> But if you pay for it, then you can have it in your home. Yeah. Whereas with a lot of these art pieces, yeah. it, they're, they're much harder to access. You have to yeah. go to the gallery and then you get to the gallery mm. and again, I think people are performing something there. You know, they're performing... The smart artist who's kind of yeah, kind of coming with a critical yeah. a critical eye and then commenting as opposed to sure. being able to sit down yeah. and jerk off. I mean, I think I, I totally understand this. Yeah, because this is the difference between public space, you know, public space and the private space. It is just it just restrain you from being who actually you are and what do you actually want to do and how 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 do you, As an artist, how you transform that sexuality towards another kind of thinking or reflection? I think somehow sexuality is always there. Every work that I ever did, I think my sexuality was present. It's very hard to sometimes put like explicitly in what way and how, but I still think that it is present because I think, you know, we are sexual bodies and we're We're breathing bodies. Yeah. We always need air, and you can feel that. Yeah. We're also bodies that need pleasure and some yeah. erotic pleasure. Yes. Touch. Yes. Sensuality. Yes. Maybe it's more about naming how it is showing up rather than explicitly trying to make it show up, but that it does show up, and then saying, here, it showed up in this way mm. somehow. Yeah. Um, have you had a, an erotic experience with non-human actors because i'm a sculptor so i make a lot of work by my hand touch and that process of uh, for example my first uh, a stone carving i never i was just making it i was i was uh, some kind of you know uh, a clay shape but i'm doing doing it, it become like a big super cute and also glossary shape of of a baby which <laughs> It's a baby with a dress and this cutie feet, which is all subconscious. This is my very first sculpture I made. It's a stone carving with a big head baby with a very cutie feet. I was like, after doing it, I said, oh, that's a, a big bomb. And 
what is this? <laughs> it's like, it's just, I don't know, it's a human nature or somehow carved outside. So my work is always around sensuality. And sometimes I just, I forgot who I am and I just go to my living room and I see my sculptures. Oh God, <laughs> that is really sexually charged the shape. I even don't know, you don't need to define what are they, but they just brought you... You know? Oh God, I enjoy seeing them. So <laughs> this is, I guess everywhere I'm, I'm, I'm working with, yeah, making art, right? It's like really, just like meditative. Sometimes I just make it, and maybe especially sculpture. Sometimes you know it's just so complicated the process of preparing this, preparing that. I somehow they do. You just put things together and. You just become something. That is, you didn't plan and just come out of it. And where are they from? <laughs> I don't know where they're from, but they just look so, so delicious. <laughs> you just heard from visual artist and sculptor Chang Gao, who I met in the context of the group show Come Alive in Utrecht, Netherlands. You can read more about her and her work in the show notes. I'm Mad Kate, and you've been listening to Sweat, a series of conversations about performance and performativity of the sexual and sexualized body in work. The theme music was composed by me and features the voice of performer and actress Lori Baldwin. Sweat airs every second Tuesday of the month at 13 hours Central European time on Collaboradio, Free Radio's Berlin Brandenburg. Broadcasting on 88.4 FM in Berlin, 90.7 FM in Potsdam, and streaming online at fr-bb.org. You can also listen to the interview portion of the show again by subscribing to The Sweat Podcast, which is available on all platforms. Thanks so much, and until next time.